Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Have you heard how the bakers in Oregon wouldn't bake a wedding cake for a gay marriage because they're Christians and it's against their conscience? They were fined at least $135,000. Or the Christian grandma in Washington State who, who could not in full conscience perform flower arrangements for a gay wedding because she doesn't think a man and a man is a wedding and she lost her business? Uh, these are very troubling things. Supreme Court is going to rule fairly soon on, on gay marriage and whether they're going to force it over the whole nation. So we need to talk to an expert on this. And I want you to meet, uh, she's been on our show before, Teresa Colette. Welcome, Teresa. You are a law professor at the University of St. Thomas here in the Twin Cities. I am. And you follow this. In fact, didn't you help one, write one of the briefs for what just happened before the Supreme Court? I acted as counsel for the National Organization for Marriage. You did? Yes. So you really know this issue. And now they've heard their arguments, and, and they're going to rule on whether we have gay marriage in every state when? Uh, we anticipate it being the very last opinion that the court issues uh, in June before they recess for the summer. So probably near the end of June? Uh, it depends on how they, it breaks down, but we anticipate okay. it being. Well, you listened to all of the arguments before the Supreme Court recently, and I, I saw some of the news on this. So just to begin our time, I want to literally play the devil's advocate, and, and you tell me how you would respond or how the lawyers responded. Uh, argument number one, this is a civil rights issue, just like we didn't used to let a black and a white uh, man and woman get married. Same thing now. Now we're going to have this civil rights issue uh, to allow two men to get married. Well, as Justice Kennedy observed, the definition of marriage has always involved a sexual union between a man and a woman for millennia, was what he said, as well as throughout the world. Even in those cultures that had no problem with homosexual conduct. And so this is different than the prohibition on interracial marriage because those laws clearly originated out of a desire to keep racial purity intact. Marriage laws originated out of the need of society to connect children to both their mother and their father. Mm -hmm. And I think one person pointed out the very first nation to affirm gay marriage was 2001. That's correct. Only 14 years ago. That's correct. So it's still I mean, in infancy. All right, let me try another one. But why won't you let two loving women get married? Why would you rob them of that right? Well, marriage is a way that civil society orders sexual conduct. It really is much more about protecting and promoting the best interest of children than it is protecting adult affection. Okay, and then the devil would say, <laughs> um, yes, but uh, lots of couples, heterosexual couples, don't have children. Are you saying they're not really married because they're not producing children? We have chosen, and I think appropriately so, to act on the fact that the 
when sexual activity occurs between a man and a woman, the chance of them having or producing a child is, is significant. We know with certainty that when sexual activity occurs between two men or two women, that no child will be produced. Mm -hmm. uh, you heard all the arguments. What were some of the other arguments from the liberal side? I think actually I was a little surprised. Uh, Mary Benito, who, re uh, who represented the plaintiffs in this case, who were seeking to constitutionalize uh, same-sex unions, are, really did not seem capable of answering the hard questions. I think in many ways she was persuaded that it was sufficient to keep saying this is no different than race. And yet both Justice Breyer, Justice Kennedy, and of course, uh, Justice Roberts, Justice Scalia, Justice Thomas, Justice, uh, those justices weren't satisfied that that answered all the questions that had to be answered. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what is the strongest argument in favor of gay marriage in your mind that they put forward? That we have so altered the legal structure protecting marriage through our embrace of no-fault divorce, through our embrace of the contraceptive mentality, that altering it to include two loving adults who consent uh, is not as radical a change as um, those of us who believe in natural marriage or traditional marriage are, are afraid it is. You know, uh, Teresa, Red China, doesn't have gay marriage, and they're an atheist regime. This just is the way we're made for male and female marriage. Well, and in ancient Greece, where homosexual relationships were accepted and even celebrated in certain circumstances, it's, they never altered the definition of marriage. And yeah. that was one of the questions that was asked, plaintiff's counsel, and she simply was unwilling to answer it, to the point that Justice Breyer, who is not seen as part of the conservative wing of the court, uh -huh was fairly irritated and finally intervened and said, I would really like for you to answer the question that you've been asked several times. So. Well, and you know, I, how do I put this? I don't agree, I don't think with what he did, but I wonder. You heard about the heckler right. that, that stood up and said, "God, this is an abomination in the sight of God or whatever, what, what was it, you know? I don't recall the exact okay. quote. It uh -huh. was disruptive, but Justice Roberts, who acts as Chief Justice very smoothly, uh, said, you know, if the counsel for the state would like a little time, and the, the lawyer said, I'm ready to go. And the justice said, well, it cleared all of our minds. <laughs> <laughs> and on they went. <laughs> so. All right, what are the strongest arguments on our side against gay marriage? Well, there are two. The first level is, who gets to decide this issue? And that clearly is weighing on Justice Kennedy and even Justice Breyer. Justice Breyer, I believe, concluded his question with basically, where do nine judges get the authority to redefine an institution that has been defined a certain way for millennia? How, how did this happen mm -hmm. sort of thing? Um, so the first question is, who gets to decide? Is it going to be the people and their elected representatives? Uh -huh. Or is it going to be nine judges sitting on the United States Supreme Court? Okay. Okay. Um, if the court uh, decides that they simply do not have the authority through the Constitution to make this decision, then that's sort of the end of the question. Uh, they leave it to the states, okay. and the states make their own political judgment. 
What's the second argument? The second argument is even if we have the power to make this decision, what is the right answer to the question? Mm -hmm. okay. And in that case, the real question is, is the court so confident that they will ignore what, again, two of the liberal or moderate justices recognize, they will ignore the wisdom of centuries, mm -hmm. the wisdom of cultures throughout the world, uh -huh. and force this innovation on every state in the union against their will. And you know, Teresa, some of us have fought this battle in some of these liberal Protestant denominations. I got, I'm a Lutheran, but I got to the microphone of the Presbyterian Church USA, which just redefined marriage as, it used to be a man and a woman, now it's two people right. in the Presbyterian Church USA. I got to the microphone and I said, do you really think we're more enlightened than all the Christians that have come before us? And I think it's, a, and the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit, and, and it just, it's liberal arrogance that we are a little more intelligent than all these other people. Well, I think we all tend to think that we're more advanced. It's part of a view of history that history is always progressing, but mm -hmm. we know that's not true, no. right? I mean, how else, well, or how else did the dark ages happen? Yeah, there I you mean, go. You know? And you know, let me ask you this, Teresa. Um, the, uh, did this come up? Can you imagine one of the founding fathers saying, yes, there's a right in the Constitution for two men to get married? One? No, no. Did anybody bring that up? No one brought that up and with good cause because of course many people, myself included, believe that the original sin of this country slavery. was to accept the continuation of slavery. Right. And so at one level, the fact that the Founding Fathers would not anticipate this sort of sexual license or mm -hmm. redefinition of marriage mm -hmm. is not as compelling as it could be but okay. for that sin. And, okay. and that's just another illustration yep. of how sin marks future generations. Let's ask this. Let's say, please Lord, that we get the best decision possible, which is they're going to leave it to the states. Right. Then these, what is it, 38 states now or what, whatever? Well, that's a misleading number okay. that the plaintiffs use okay, regularly. Okay, Correct me. Most of those states are doing so under force of judicial... Uh, <clears throat> well, arrogance was the word that came to mind, <laughs> but perhaps not the best, not the word I would use in front of a court. Um, but it, in reality, there are very few states that have legislatively Eight, or by popular right. We're referendum. We're one of them, Minnesota. Minnesota <clears throat> is one of them, and I still find it deeply troubling that when we made the effort to amend our state constitution to protect the definition of marriage, the primary argument made by opponents of the constitutional amendment was, you don't have to worry about this. Marriage is the union of one man and one woman. This is just being mean. Oh, this remember. is just being... And what was so stunning to me is as soon as that amendment yeah. was defeated, they immediately redefined marriage. And not only did they redefine marriage, but they refused to provide any, any sort of expansive protection for religious liberty. Right. There was, there, they wanted to protect Christian florists and bakers in Minnesota. That's correct. From being forced to do this. And they absolutely, they had a, uh, the Democrats, I think, had a majority at that point, and they absolutely refused to make any exceptions. It didn't help that the governor of Minnesota referred to people like you and me who, uh, as hate mongers. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. I do. And, and so while there is a very limited exception in the state of Minnesota for religious institutions. Like a priest or a pastor? Like a church. Okay. 
Uh, it's not at all clear that if you are not something that is historically identified as a house of worship, if you've incorporated under general corporation law, that the protection will extend to you. And it's perfectly clear that, in fact, if you are in what we see as a secular occupation or a nonprofit that doesn't ground itself directly and openly in the teaching mm -hmm. of faith, uh, those protections will not apply to you. Have we had a case in Minnesota yet? Where we have. And what happened? We have. We had <clears throat> a wedding venue uh, that a gay couple approached the owners and said, we'd like to have our marriage ceremony here. And it was basically a family-run uh, resort area. And they said, we're really uncomfortable with this. We don't want any part of that. You know, oh, that's right. Thank you. And they had to pay a fine. And they had to pay $8,000. And that money was specifically directed, according to the Human Rights Organi uh, Agency, was directed to pay for the cost of the ceremony at another location, including long-distance travel for the attendees. Good night. Good night. So here it is. And, and let me ask, have you seen this on YouTube? A Christian man called eight gay bakers. Have you seen this? I have. And said, I want you to make me a cake that says, we support traditional marriage only. None of the eight gay bakers would bake the cake. Now, can we sue them? Well, technically there's been a violation of the law because religious discrimination is also illegal. But we have a, a case right now going on, brand new case, where an individual came in and secretly videotaped an exchange with a baker in a very similar circumstances and then posted it. And because of the reaction against the bakery, the bakery demanded that the individual take the video and down. these are liberal bakers? Or yes. Can, okay, yeah. They, and so the individual took the video down and then the bakery owned by an advocate for gay rights called the FBI and said that was a hate crime and put it up as evidence of a hate crime. <laughs> So not only, in this case, is there little hope of the bakery that declined to bake based on a religious uh, objection being brought to heel because of the anti-discrimination laws, but this person is now trying to use the federal criminal mechanism to silence. All right, so here we go. The, back to the question I asked a few minutes ago. So maybe is it eight states that actually voted it in through the elected officials? The rest were forced by liberal judges to have gay marriage? By judicial mandate. All right. So if the very best happens and the Supreme Court rules that it's up to the states, right. what happens to those 36, 38 states that have it? Does it immediately get undone for those that had laws against this? Or do, do you have to go through another process of doing another constitutional amendment in each state? How does that work? Well, there are a couple of things. Uh, one of the problems is um, that because almost none of those appellate courts were willing to say, we believe that you're violating the Constitution by having this definition that marriage is a union of one man and one woman, mm -hmm. but we think that this is an issue that is unclear enough that we're going to give you that judgment, but we're not going to enforce it. We're going to let you take your appeal and then see what happens. And a few did, didn't they? A few did, and of okay. course the United States Supreme Court initially said, we don't want anything to do with this, yeah. leaving in place what's called an injunction or yeah. a court order that says you can't enforce this law. Okay. So now in those states, we have same-sex couples 
who have entered into legally recognized marriages, even though the statutes didn't change. Mm -hmm. And so we're facing, on a much larger scale, the problem that California faced. It's the same sort of judicial arrogance, right? So in California, the California Supreme Court declared there was a state constitutional right to marriage. They already had it on the ballot for just a few months later, and the lawyers for the traditional marriage folks went to the court and said, okay, we understand your opinion, but even if you are correct, we have this constitutional amendment on the ballot, mm -hmm. so should we just wait and see what the people think the Constitution is or yeah. ought to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the court said, nope, we know better than the people. Right, right. And so you had these couples that were married, yeah. then California came back, and I think partially in reaction to this judicial overreach, uh -huh. the arrogance uh -huh. of the judiciary, uh, they passed the constitutional amendment returning the definition of marriage right. to one man and mm -hmm. one woman. Mm -hmm. uh, they had these lawfully married same-sex couples, and I think California very wisely said, once you're married lawfully under our state laws, you're married lawfully, okay. and we're not going to do any sort of, mm -hmm. you know, like legislative divorce yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there are not going to be any more of these. And that's what went up to the United States Supreme Court in and, the Perry case. Yeah. And the United States Supreme Court said, well, we don't think the person who is objecting to the uh, constitutionalization of this question is the right person. Even though California Supreme Court said, yes, these people can be the appropriate challengers, they say, well, we don't think so, and so we're not going to answer the question. And so they knocked it all down. So, so what happens, Teresa, if, and I pray, uh, you know, Christians, we need to be praying like crazy right now. Just, we, our country is in a fight for our soul. And just make sure you're praying between now and the end of June that God will move the Supreme Court. But, but so if the best happens and they leave it to the states, what will happen to these states that had it forced upon them? Will they have to, what will they have to do to get it out again? They will probably have to legislate um, I don't know that they will have to, but many will choose to legislate the legal status of those couples who were lawfully married under judicial edict. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. um, if I were serving as legal counsel to those legislative bodies, mm -hmm. I would say leave those intact. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, this is, mm -hmm. yeah. it would be a real problem if okay. you tried to do anything else. Okay. Um, and just say, we're done. Uh-huh. Um, and how would that? How could you stop further ones from? Do you have to pass another law to say we're going back to the old way, or or is that just done automatically? Because once you lift the injunction, the existing law goes back into effect. Okay, but what about the states that didn't have an injunction? We just had a judge that overrode it. What but that the only way that's enforced is through what's called an injunction. Okay, the judge gives his order, and in it he says, "And you must obey this." So, so these other twenty-six or whatever places uh, states could just. Fairly start fast. Start enforcing the existing laws oh, that in would the be vast good. majority. All yes. Right. Now, what uh, a, a lot of people are saying, it does not look good for the traditional marriage winning on this. What is your opinion? I was saying before the oral argument that we had at least a thirty percent chance, which is better than some experts were giving. Uh, I was pleased that Justice Kennedy's first question within the first five minutes of oral argument was to plaintiff's counsel saying, <laughs> where, where do we get the authority to reverse millennia? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. um, I was pleased that Justice Breyer seemed impatient. Um, 
So I am now cautiously optimistic. What, would, what percentage rate would you give now? 50-50 or not? Well, we teach you in law school never to give percentages <laughs> <laughs> to clients. Okay. Um, probably 40, 45%. On our side? On our side. Ugh, well, it, <laughs> it's an increase. All right, what's going to happen if this passes? If the Supreme Court says we're forcing gay marriage on every state in the union, what happens? I think it's another Roe versus Wade which it's clear that, and there were a number of briefs filed in the court that said, you know, <laughs> do you really want the, the multitude of cases that are going to come from states resisting this, uh, where you have no clear textual history, text, no historical foundation for this, nothing but pure political will to ground this opinion in? Is that really what you want to do? Uh, and that clearly was something that Justice Kennedy was struggling with, Justice Breyer was struggling with. Frankly, I was disappointed that Justice Ginsburg wasn't struggling more with it, although all my friends told me that I was foolish to uh, think she might be. Because well, within the year, she said that Roe yeah, I remember hearing that. was you know, premature. Well, recently, like real recently, some Christians, pastors, and others have stood up and said, we're going to do, um, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Um, uh, anyway, where civil you can, disobedience. There you go, civil disobedience over this. And um, let's just look at a, a different way of looking at this. Um, the Catholics on the Supreme Court are uh, Scalia, Thomas, Sotomayor, who's liberal, and Roberts, Roberts, Alito, Alito. Okay, and then Ruth Bader Ginsburg is Jewish. Yes. And then we've got ba Bayer, Breyer, Breyer. And what is he? You know? I think he's Jewish. Okay, and then and there's Kagan. And Kagan is Catholic. I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember? Okay. Um, and I mean, any I mean, George Washington said that this Constitution will only work for people that fear God. Well, we don't fear God anymore, so the Constitution's not working anymore. And um, how much do you think people's relig religious convictions influence them in these decisions? And I don't think anything's wrong with that, but what do you think? I don't, I'm confident they don't consciously influence them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because notwithstanding that separation of church and state is a phrase you don't find anywhere in the Constitution or yeah. the Bill of Rights, yeah. um, it has just become so part of the American mindset, mm -hmm. all right? So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that's true. I do think, though, that the way we relate to God directly impacts the way we relate to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, our recognition that we are not masters of the universe, that we are not in control, uh, the sort of uh, humility that C.S. Lewis talks about in The Great Divorce, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That a recognition that there is someone or something that we are responsible to and has authority over mm -hmm. us. I think that has to pervade your whole worldview. Yeah. Um, so consciously, not at all. Uh -huh. um, and subconsciously, I think it has to have some influence. You know, Teresa, what what I can understand our president being so liberal in our in our cult courts and 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 the governor of Minnesota, but you know what grieves me the most, where the devil is smiling the most, is that we have bishops in 
some of our denominations promoting this crud. One reason we have gay marriage in Minnesota is because the ELCA Lutheran bishop stood up at the state fair and she preached against the marriage amendment that would have kept marriage one man, one woman. There she is preaching against what marriage is. So, you know, what I, you're Catholic, I'm Lutheran, but you know what I want to say to everybody watching? Just be on your knees in prayer. Get a, get a group in your church to pray this, this next uh, weeks as we wait this decision. And you know, I'll just say this too, because I know you agree with me on this, because you're Catholic and I'm Lutheran, and we, we agree on the moral issues. <laughs> and let me just say this, because you never hear it anymore. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. 1 Corinthians 6 says fornicators don't go to heaven. 1 Corinthians 6 says adulterers and homosexuals, people engaging that behavior, if they don't repent and come to Christ, they're not going to heaven. And we've got, I mean, the illegitimacy rate in America is what now? Do you, do you remember? It's over 40%. 40% of the babies being born are born outside of wedlock. And, and it doesn't help that every time you turn on the TV, you've got people, what, 95% of sex on TV now is between people who aren't married, something crazy like that. So we live in a day and age where, ah, come Lord Jesus, let's have the second coming happen soon, please. That's the way I feel. It is really troubling when I talk to my students. I teach a course called Comparative Regulation of Human Sexuality. And when we actually talk about that the law, even not that long ago, used to have a clear moral message, which is exactly what you're talking about. Sex was reserved for marriage, yeah. um, which is part of the reason it's so easy to be confused about the definition of marriage. One of the questions that was asked by one of the justices is assuming we accept your, your argument, plaintiff's mm -hmm. counsel, mm -hmm. what do we do with the next case where it's two men and two women who want to marry each other? Yeah, why not? What do we do about the polygamy case? Right. And the answer was, well, but there are clear public policies. And to the justice's good credit, the answer was, and can you tell me exactly what they are? <laughs> and the, which is yeah. why I say, I was surprised at how poorly prepared plaintiff's counsel appeared well, to be. But you got the point. If one man can marry one man, why can't one man marry five women? Why not? Well, and they're cultural. I mean, we have yeah. a, let's say we have an immigrant from Saudi Arabia where they are legally allowed right. to have four yeah. wives. Yeah. And so when people talk about the Christian baker or the, the florist and they say, well, this is all about gays, I say, no, no. I know bakers who would not bake a divorce cake, mm -hmm. right? There's a trend of uh, mm -hmm. divorce celebrations, right. which yeah. Yeah. really breaks my heart, right? <laughs> Me too. I know Christian bakers who would say, absolutely right. not, I'm not yeah. doing that, yeah. Yeah. nor will I bake a cake for the wedding to your third present wife, right. nor will I bake a cake for your child bride. Do they have that right at the moment, just to do that, to refuse? At least they did, but... Well, it depends on and, and how the case is structured. Okay, I'm sorry, we gotta go, but God bless you, Teresa, for holding forth. Thank, thank you. you. For, thank you for writing that brief for the Supreme Court. And again, everybody, just, uh, is there any website or anything you wanna push? We got 10 seconds. <laughs> if you wanna see the oral arguments or, or read the transcript, okay. if you can, get, you can go to the United States Supreme Court website, okay. and you can actually get uh, the oral, the audio from the arguments, or right. you can see the transcript. And go to... Go to the University of St. Thomas and have her be your law professor. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Music.